Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. 7.33 left in the second period. Florida and Boston tied at 1. Boston trying to finish the series in Game 5. Panthers trying to take it back to sunrise for game six a little bit later on tonight game five seattle at colorado that series is tied 2-2 oilers did not practice today you heard some comments from jay woodcroft he spoke at 11 a.m and the oilers will practice tomorrow practice and fly on friday and then the game at a still to be determined time is on saturday and we will have it for you right here on 6 30 chet Okay, so Kellen is collecting your messages. As you guys know, especially if you listen to the show with any regularity, sometimes we get into a topic, and sometimes I'll throw a question out to you folks, and sometimes I have no idea how it's going to go. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, let's talk about this, and nobody is interested, doesn't, doesn't get a response. Today I have asked something that apparently is getting quite a response. Will Farrell at the Kings games very ferociously is that the right word? Feverishly? I don't know. He was really, really cheering for the Kings hard. That's what I try to say. So as an Oilers fan, did that irritate you? Does that make you less uh, likely to like Will Ferrell at his work? And uh, a favorite or least favorite Will Ferrell movie. Apparently we're getting plenty of responses. Okay, now that I got that out of the way, and again, keep those coming. We'll get to them later. Oh, I love having this guy on the show. Former NHL goaltender, now a TV analyst. It's Marty Baron checking in. Marty, you're on with Reed. How have you been? Great. I have been good. I hope you're good. Favorite Will Ferrell movie, I would say Elf. Uh, I would think that has to be at the top of the list, but he's had a lot of good ones. Semi-Pro is funny, and obviously uh, Old School is good, so there's a lot of good Will Ferrell stuff. There is. I, I'd go with Elf. I, I was a little embarrassed because I haven't seen much of his stuff uh, more recently. I, I haven't seen anything since the Lego movie in 2014. But, yeah, he's he's a funny guy. And the few messages we got so far said people are still okay with uh, with Will Ferrell. Okay, i got to ask I this. You go back to Saturday Night Live when oh. he was doing the cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> or he was doing, uh, you know, the uh, Jeopardy where he was Alex Trebek. And, uh, man, was that ever funny. Yes, yeah, some very good stuff. I think it was uh, Daryl Hammond, the guy that did Sean Connery, and they had their little uh, back and forth. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> so you played, uh, you, you played for the Rangers. I'm just going to single that part yeah. out of your career right now. Celebrity fans in New York, uh, did you ever notice them while you were playing? Did you ever mingle or meet any away from the rink? Um, well, away from the rink a little bit, but it's more like if we had charity events, right? Like, so obviously I was a little tight with Henrik Lundqvist and, you know, I was his backup. So uh, anytime he had a charity event, there were, you know, celebrities everywhere. I remember he was on a band with John McEnroe. So that alone, right, is like, so Henrik Lundqvist is practicing in basically a garage with Johnny Mac. So it was pretty cool. There was plenty of them, but you do notice them at the at MSG. They usually sit right behind the bench and they're always on the Jumbotron. So I would always be looking around like, who is here? And a lot of uh, New York Giants players, a lot of New York Yankees players, uh, some New York Knicks, obviously uh, actors and models and all of that. It was, it was pretty cool. What was John McEnroe like? I mean, what he played, which I know was a long time ago, he had that reputation for being mouthy. I think he's an excellent commentator whenever I watch oh. tennis on TV. What's he like to, to mingle with? 
you know what? He's not a big guy, right? So he's a pretty like stringy type guy, and I I was like surprised by that. But oh, very nice guy, calm and and uh, down to earth. Uh, look, he, he's not the guy that's gonna go out and and wanna you know kind of say I'm John McEnroe. Like the one time I remember showing to a restaurant with a bunch of guys and. And uh, the maitre d' says, hey, uh, your buddy Lundquist is, uh, is sitting at the corner table over there. And I'm like, what? And I walk by, and he, Lundquist and John McEnroe are having dinner. And they're literally in the darkest corner of the restaurant. They don't want to be really seen. They want to be undercover. So that's a little bit of John McEnroe. He's a, he's a big deal. Uh, and obviously, everybody knows him. But, uh, you know, kind of undercover in those type of situations. It's interesting you bring up Lundquist as well, who was extremely popular with the Rangers, and he sort of got that very, you know, suave yet approach. He got a lot of charisma, right? He's got a lot of charisma. And my buddy, for several years, his wallpaper, his lock screen on his phone, was a picture of him and Henrik Lundquist having a beer here in Edmonton. My buddy went to, uh, I can't remember which pub, pub it was downtown, and there's this guy sitting at a table by himself. The Rangers were playing the next night, and my buddy kept thinking, where do I know that guy? And it was Lundquist <laughs> just having a, and my buddy went up to him and said, hey, can I get a picture with you? And Lundquist was like, yeah, and they just talked for a while. Two guys having a beer. Like Lundquist, uh, I mean, he's, you know, people, you know, the women think he's handsome, he's well-dressed, but also very down-to-earth, I guess. Very down to earth. Now he is really handsome. Uh, we used to joke around that he was like a shiny penny, right? There was not a hair out of place, and his suit and everything was always crisp and clean. And he never wore sweatpants or you know hoodies, and he was never casual. He was always uh, the, the, the less dress I've ever seen him was still some of my most dressed moment, right? So um, that was Henrik, but he's very down to earth. Him and I used to watch TV shows on the plane. Uh, and uh, had some some really good times. I've seen. I went shopping with him in Anaheim at the mall the one time, and uh, that was an experience and a half. So that was a lot of fun because he knows what he likes and he's very uh, his attention to detail. But the funny thing is, you mentioned him having a beer, you know, the night before. Is he loved going for a good burger, not like a full, you know, uh, filet mignon at the fancy restaurant. He loved a good burger. So he loved going to dinner the night before, grabbing a burger, maybe a couple beers, and just chilling, right? So that's uh, that's how Lundqvist was. And the other day, they showed him on the jumbo drawing at the Rangers game. They showed a bunch of you know celebrities, and they're getting like applause, and it's getting loud. And then they show Lundqvist, that place goes nuts. Like that's how big he is. In, at MSG and in New York City. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool for sure. Okay, hey, thanks for those tales, man. I I, I always love those. Let, let's dive <laughs> into the hockey stuff. Uh, we'll start with the goaltending angle. The Oilers got the win last night. It was interesting because for a couple days, a lot of the talk was, is it going to be Skinner or Campbell? And then somebody said, well, is Skinner the right choice? I said, well, I guess ask me again after the game. <laughs> You know, they, they yeah. won. How, how did you sort of look at that Campbell coming in, winning that game, and then the debate back and forth? Was there a debate in your mind for uh, for what the Oilers were going to do in game five? I felt like there was a debate. And, and the only reason is sometimes I do the backward, you know, uh, notion of, okay, so what happens if you win? And what happens if you lose, right? So you go into game five and you think, well, we are trying to win a game. So who gives you the better chance? And you can debate Skinner was that guy. You can debate Campbell was that guy. But then I always like to think, what happens if you lose game five? 
Now, do you prefer going Skinner game five, lose, and then have to go back to Campbell for game six when you're, you know, one game away from being eliminated? Or do you rather go Campbell game five, and if you lose, have Skinner for game six? So that's sometimes how I like to debate things and look at things. And, and you're right. Coaches only make the right decision if it works. In the end, it's always the same thing. You played your star player. You played Carter McDavid 30 minutes. Well, did it work? Did you win? Yes. Did you lose? Well, it didn't work, right? That's the way that it goes. But I felt that Skinner was not really confident and really not giving me confidence in any game of the series, right? And in the first four games, I know he got pulled in game four, but in the first four games, I felt like he was not confident and he was not really good. So I don't think he was good in game five either. And he admitted himself like, eh, it was just okay. He still hasn't played the way that he played in the regular season. And that's troubling to me because they're going to need a really good goaltender to go and win a cup. Now they're up 3-2 in L.A. and they could close it out Saturday. I get that. But Stuart Skinner hasn't even gotten close to what I think he can play. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would say – now, I, I also think – that through the first three games and maybe part of game four, Corpusella was also just lights out, you know, until the Oilers finally started cracking through there. I guess they got five goals in two and a half periods in game four. So to me, I'll just kind of throw that. I'm just putting this out there as an idea. <laughs> see, see what you say. Was Corpusella better than Skinner? Yes. Did that necessarily mean Skinner was bad? In my mind, no. See what I mean? If I'm just talking about the two guys head to head. Yeah, but who's the better team? Which one? Who's the better team in the series? Well, I think Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I picked Edmonton to win in five games. Oh, really? So okay. If if Stuart Skinner had been good to above average good, and Corpusello is great, I still think the Oilers could have won this in five games, right? But if Stuart Skinner is just average to below average, and Corpusello is great then you're like, okay, well, it's 2-2 after four games. Even though the Oilers are the better team, in my opinion, and by a lot, um, I feel that the great equalizer could always be in the crease. Now, was Corpusello good in game five? No, nah, not necessarily, but it wasn't his fault. I still think he gives the LA Kings the best chance to win when he's spectacular because he's athletic. He obviously moves well laterally. I think Phoenix Copley is, is a really good goaltender, and he's shown that this year, save probably LA season when they had uh, um, uh, Jonathan Quick uh, and Cal Peterson not playing well at all. But so you look at, you know, who gives you the better chance against a team like the Oilers, and it's Corpusello. Some other teams, it may be Phoenix Copley, but in this series, it's Corpusello, and that's why I believe they'll go back game six. Yeah, I think for sure Corpusello is back in game six. Marty Baron joining us tonight on Inside Sports. I think, and I'm not saying by a wide margin, but I think this three-day break maybe helps the Kings more than the Oilers because, you know, Corpusello's seen a lot of pucks. Dowdy plays a lot. Uh, their ice time is a, even a little more top-heavy if you look at the top nine or ten guys on the team more than the Oilers. And it has been a pretty physical series. Now, I'm not saying the break is going to hurt Edmonton, but to me, it might just help L.A. a little bit. I thought, Marty, and I'm curious to see what you think, if I thought there might have been a little signs of fatigue uh, with L.A. in games four and five. What, what do you think of this three-day Or maybe you don't think it's a factor at all. I don't know. 
No, I think it's going to help the LA Kings, but I also think it's going to help the Edmonton Oilers. Listen, uh, in Game Four, it, it, actually in Game Five, I should say, um, if Jay Woodcroft would have liked to play McDavid and Drysaddle 30 minutes of the game, he could have. Right? They have three days off, and you can say, "I'm going to run my big guys, and we're going to win that way." Now they didn't need to because the scores, the score was what it was. But in Game Six, after three days off. You can say, well, we got to win. Let's go with McDivitt and Dreisaitl and R&H and Evan Bouchard, and we're going to play them all 30 minutes, and we're going to really put a, uh, the screws on uh, tight on L.A. They can do that. Now, for L.A., I don't think L.A. played good in Game 5. And obviously, you know, the results showed what the show, they showed. So the three days is going to allow them, one, to rest Deno and rest Kopitar and rest Dowdy, and two – to look at the tape and really do some di- deep diving into what happened in that, that game. I felt like Ellie was really good in the neutral zone. Their 1-3-1 was perfect. The Edmonton Oilers had to chip the puck in. They had to get you know that, that forecheck and, and recovery. But once the Oilers got control of the puck in the offensive zone, I mean, the Kings were all over the place. They were a mess. They were a mess. They were chasing the orders all over the place. I would think that three days is going to allow them to make some adjustments, especially in the defensive zone and the way they cover uh, the front of the net and, and, and help defensively. So that may help Ellie as well. But in the end, I think it helps the Oilers also with knowing that you can play McDavid and Dreisaitl and they'll be rested. I'm curious what you think of that 1-3-1. You know, as as a former goaltender, and and certainly the, the front half of your career would have been played in a more defensive year. I think as your career went on, the, the puck started to be uh, you know, more of the live puck, as we as we like to call it, though it has nothing to do with the puck. It has to do with the players and the coaches. But like Because I had Drew Remenda on my show the other night before one of the games, and he knows both Todd and Woody really well, and he thinks... Thinks a, this is best Todd's best coaching performance of his career, and B, he kind of said, "Who is doing that in the neutral zone anymore in the NHL?" Well, there's a few teams, and I know covering the Buffalo Sabers this year. I remember when they played LA in Buffalo, and it was zero-zero after two periods. Now, if you look back to that game in Buffalo, the Sabers won six-nothing, but it was six third-period goals. <laughs> So, but it was 0-0, and they had nothing. They had no offense, no room at all in the first 40 minutes. Sage Thompson was frustrated. You know, uh, Jeff Skinner, Alex Tuck, they were all frustrated. But Ellie does that really, really well. Pittsburgh does a bit of a similar neutral zone where they take away all your ice time, uh, your ice available to you, and they try to get the counter game going. I, I think that teams that feel that maybe they – uh, they need to defend more than and then attack. Uh, we'll do that one three one because they're standing still in the neutral zone. They defend, but it's very hard to counterattack. It's very hard to go on transition because everybody's standing still. So the new NHL is more about transition and speed and and being able to attack. When you do one three one, it's hard because everybody's standing still. Yeah. Okay. But you're you're pretty bullish on the Oilers. I was talking about Nick Bugstad in the first half hour of the show. He's been good. Broke through with a couple of goals. You know, I thought Fogel has a good series. Has had a good series. I know he hasn't scored. McLeod made a nice play yesterday. Are, are you seeing some sort of lively contributions from the Edmonton Oilers lines three and four, like I've been seeing? Uh, yeah, I think we were seeing it. Is that going to make the big difference in the series or in the games? No, I think 
Number one is the Oilers' power play. Number two is their their stars being able to uh, to put the puck in the net and put points. Right? Like I we, I mean, Drysaitel. But uh, until last game, he had been on the ice for every single goal, and that's what the Oilers should be. Right? And that's hard to defend. But when you get into a game where you know you need a little bit more offense, you need somebody to help with the secondary scoring. I love what the Oilers have been able to do. I love that a guy like Kulak gets in on the action. And he's able to get a backdoor pass, right, and find the uh, the ice. Again, it goes to what I was talking about, how Ellie is all lost in the defensive zone. They completely lost him on the backdoor. He gets a beautiful goal and a big goal for the Oilers. So uh, that, to me, yeah, the secondary scoring is always nice in the National Hockey League. Everybody wants it. But when the, you're the Oilers, you're going to win or lose game with your top guys producing. Okay. Oh, Marty, I love having you on the show. I could always keep you for hours, but they, uh, <laughs> I know you got other. Are you doing stuff with on right still? Uh, yes, I will actually be on set tomorrow night in Toronto uh, for the panel. We're going to cover like all the games in the NHL, and I believe I will be on uh, SC with Jay late at night So and in the morning loop on, uh, on Friday morning. So, yeah, be sure to catch that. Um, I will probably be suckered into some crazy thing with Jay Onright, and that's the way it is. Well, uh, Jay's a very good friend of mine, so yes, expect craziness, as you know. But uh, enjoy it, buddy. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks. Have a good night. That is Marty Baran checking in. Uh, does work on TSN. Sabres analyst for MSG, former NHL goaltender. I always enjoy his perspective, and he tells a, a good story or two along the way, including letting us in that uh, Henrik Lundqvist loves a good hamburger. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. All right, that is the news. Second period has concluded in Boston. Sam Bennett scoring with a minute eight left in the second. Panthers two, Bruins one. Boston leads the series three games to one. 7804960063. Oilers discussion. And apparently, the uh, my Will Ferrell off-topic topic yes. has uh, excited some people. It has. Driven them to their phones or laptops to send in messages. It was a call to action it, to text it, in. Call to arms against Will Ferrell. Well, I guess well, against Will Ferrell. It seems have, like it, people are still mostly tolerant of his career, it, not just who he cheers it's for. It's like the goalie debate from <laughs> a couple of nights ago, Reed. We got some for, some against. Oh. Like We've got James on, a, on the text line here that says, if anything, I have more respect for Will Ferrell now that I know he is a hockey fan. Good for him cheering on. The losing team could watch Elf any time of the year. That's from James. Okay, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then we got Ken texting in and says, guys, love Will Ferrell. Anchorman and Ricky Bobby are classic characters. Regards from Ken. And then Danielle uh, texts in, and, and this uh, kind of makes a little bit of sense, too, is that I can't see how hating a Los Angeles fan for loving his team is any different than their fans spitting on an innocent little girl. Neither makes any uh, sense. Live and let hockey. That's from Danielle. Uh, no, that's that, that, that's that's fair, and, I, and I'm not trying to uh, inspire hatred against Kings fans. I, my point is just as as a celebrity, 
which he is, does that make you think, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to support his, 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 uh, his comedic endeavors for a while or during the series just because. I, I don't put that on the same level as what happened to, uh, to Cecily. But, yes, of course, he can cheer for whoever he wants. I just wondered if anybody, because I definitely saw some stuff online where people were like, yeah, I can't with Will Ferrell anymore. I can't be a fan of his stuff anymore. Okay. 780-496-0063. We will uh, take a little bit of a look at that Calgary Arena deal when we get back.